Uh, Vivek is one of our global partners. He's doing incredible work in uh, India. And you might have seen him around a lot lately. That's because he and his family are actually here for a season of their lives uh, because of some different things. Uh, but we got Vivek here because we have been in this series, Missional Moments, and we've talked about, uh, one, how we are all responsible to do what we can with what God has given us. And then beyond that, how that first mission field is the home. And then we talked about loving one another and serving one another as a church family. Then we expand out to outreach and loving others in the community, especially those who don't look like us or think like us or, or believe like us, how to love and serve and reach those in our community. And now we take it one step further to the ends of the earth. And today Vivek's with us and he's going to be talking with us. We're going to just have a really a casual, formal well, casual, formal, those don't go together. It's oxymoronic. A casual conversation with our brother in Christ who we love so much, who we believe in what he's doing um, in India, and, and really talk about what he has seen in the mission field, um, what they're doing, and, and what we can learn from that. Uh, thanks, Phil. And uh, really be blessed and challenged and encouraged by uh, the ministry of, of Vivek and Darla and how God is using them. So... Thank you guys so much. Come on, give Phil and Gino a hand clap for jumping up all green light like that. That's awesome. Awesome. So Vivek, oh, we didn't grab your mic, did you? Man, we're all just out of sorts here today. Um, why don't you take my mic, and in the meantime, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about you and Darla and your ministry in India? Good morning, church. Uh, it's great to be with you all this morning. Uh, we are blessed with uh, uh, four little children. Uh, uh, me and my wife, we've been serving in India since 2012. Um, before COVID, you know, got hit, uh, our vision and the uh, um, calling God has placed in our heart is to uh, discipleship. You know, uh, that's something was lacking uh, the people that we were serving. We actually joined our parents who started the church plant there. Uh, that's something we see and got put in our heart to um, discipling the people who were coming. Because the people um, who comes to our church, mostly they come from a villages, um, not much education and all. Not many people can read, uh, but they're hungry uh, to know God and walk with Him. You know, so uh, we began to disciple and one of the things like... We, like culturally, people are always together. You know, being married to Darla and she's being raised in India, it's different, you know, uh, cross-culture. One of the things I noticed and we talked, hey, we got to start inviting people into our life. And she was like, okay. And, and we began to invite our church people, like, into everyday life. You know, for me, example, to go out for anything, whether it's to go buy groceries like, you know, market or play the, uh, pay the electrical bill, there's always with me somebody, you know, whether women are cooking meals at house, we invite the neighbors and our church ladies to come to go there and cook a meal. And it's actually opened the doors and opportunity and it allowed us to share what it means to, you know, follow the Christ and make him the center of our life. And, uh, yeah. So, 
I know one of the things that I thought was so cool was actually something that you guys said in the video that, that got cut short for whatever reason. Can you tell us about that birthday party situation? I thought that was so awesome. Yeah. Um, Indian people like to celebrate, uh, celebrate, you know, functions, weddings, or, you know, birthdays. Uh, so, especially boys, you know, they, 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 everybody wants a boys. I don't know why. <laughs> when you have a, you know, great love from your daughters. But anyway, we, we thought we used that opportunities, you know, um, to uh, celebrate his birthday. First birthday, we invited everybody that we knew. Pharmacists, you know, vegetable vendors, like mailmen, doctors, everybody invited. And here we are at, you know, morning, and we began to, you know, getting ready. And uh, so we began to worship, and uh, um, we see people started coming. And uh, we shared the gospel word with them. And one of the person who came was Parshuram. Uh, Parshuram was the uh, husband of the lady who has been attending our church. And he never came with her to church. And uh, after that, he became a believer. And now, now, now he's, yeah, give a glory to Amen. God. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Now, his whole household, last, like, uh, last year, um, his whole family, his dad and mom, his sister and his brother and wife, five people in the house got baptized and following his whole household now are the believers and following Christ. Amen. Yeah. Praise God. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump right here because something you just said kind of led to one of these other questions that we were going to talk about. Because you talked about this whole family comes to faith in Jesus Christ. And one, in your context, it started by just inviting everybody in your community to a birthday party. And then that led to sharing the gospel, and it led to an entire household coming to faith, and then getting baptized. Now, share with me, or share with our church family what you've talked with me about baptism. When, when a, an individual or even a family gets baptized, making that public profession of faith in India, what does that look like for them? What are the implications of that on their life? First of all, that's, that's a very uh, crucial point for uh, people of India to come to. When they are ready to baptize, that means they are willing to the, pay the price, whatever it may take. Uh, one of our uh, vision is to see is families as families coming to come to know Christ. Because if it's a one person, they face a lot of uh, challenges, uh, persecutions from their own families. So it's a hard thing, but it's, it's not impossible with our God. You know, as I earlier said, God is moving in lives and families and changing. So um, right now, some of our pastors in neighbor states are going very hard situations. Some of our state, not yet, our state has uh, anti-conversion laws. By government laws, if you want to follow Christ, uh, it means you have to go to court and put in newspaper that my own intention, like my own choice is that I'm converting to Christianity. Because of that, like some of our uh, churches have baptized some people and uh, 
So government caught that they have evidence. And that happened in a state of anti-conversion state. So our pastors are right now on ongoing investigation. All their like uh, uh, churches now, I, it, it was yesterday that I got news. The churches have a video camera put by government and they're monitoring whoever is coming in church and going out. And these are whole state, state of Gujarat. You know, they're like 20, 30 uh, pastors, churches are there. This whole, you know, pastors group are, and believers are going through, and their villages are not interacting with them. Groceries, the people are not letting them buy groceries locally. You know, people have to go further where they don't know anybody to buy, you know, groceries and all. You know, but despite of that, you know, because they experienced who God is, true God, you know, they are willing to pay this price and stand firm on their faith. Amen. You know, we don't, we don't realize how blessed we are. And we're not having to think about that if, if, if coming here today means that we're going to be monitored by the government or um, if we are going to get baptized up here on the stage, how easy it is for us to celebrate that. And for them, it, means, it could mean being ostracized by your entire family traveling extra miles to another village to just get groceries. Um, what do you see, Vivek, in, in the lives because of that cost? Do you see something different um, in the faith there that because you have to consider what it means to your life, to your family, your livelihood, are there things that, that you just see differently in India and the States simply because of that cost? Like, is there, um, do, do you see a difference in, in devotion or anything like that? In, in their faith? Yeah. Yes. You know, huge majority of people are because, um, you know, they experience true love from God, you know, especially like, you know, coming from Hindu background you know, Hindu religions, you know, they have over 300 million gods. You know, name everything they say, God, they worship people, they worship animals or trees, you know, anything. If any, anybody good to them, they say, they are walking God in my life. And when they come to know Christ, you know, that's something hard for them to comprehend and accept the God who loves unconditionally. It's like, mind-blowing for them. It's hard to accept that God loved enough to die for their sins. It's, it's a questions that they struggle, and it's a question that we have to walk with them. It takes time of discipleship. You know, it's like here and there, say, you see their eyes blowing when they hear this word, whoa, because they're all the gods of, they expect. It's in a work-based you know, the Hinduism is like, if you do that, you know, a lot of people, they do, hey, if this God is saying, like, if I, like, shave my head, or if I don't wear sandals, like, several months or year, or if I walked several thousand kilometers to this God, and they will, you know, do, or they will meet my need. And when they do come, come to Christ, unloving, you know, uh, love that experience, that's what keeps them strong. 
but their people are struggling because when you know they they start worrying about their extended family they're just one person from family coming and they see that because of their faith their families are going facing the challenges and difficulties so they're taking you know steps back but there are people standing firm and moving forward despite of the challenges yeah um i know uh one of the things that you had uh, previously shared with me um, was when, when people, e- even because of the anti-conversion laws and the fact that you're not allowed to proselytize, even in church, one of the challenges that Christianity faces in India is they're, because they are so polytheistic and they believe in the 300 million gods, that they're okay with the idea of a god also named Jesus. It's just one more out of millions. But the challenge with those government cameras in your church is that you're not allowed to say things that we say so freely and easily, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Because if you say something like that with the camera on, then they can come and shut you down and cause all sorts of problems. And this is why Vivek and Darla, with what they do in India, they have to rely so much on relational discipleship because they've got to get to the point where they're able to say those things to their their people in their community when they're not allowed to say them from stage to be able to stay, uh, to be able to continue to do the work of ministry there. Um, so uh, from, from what you've seen in India, Vivek, how much is there a need for global missions? That seems like such a softball question, really like, is there a need for missions? But from what you've seen, how significant and how dire is the need? You know, Pastor Stephen, need is everywhere. We, we see definitely great need in India. Uh, you know, India is second populated country in the whole world. You know, uh, and there's like 2.5 people, like legally, they are Christians. But I, I do truly believe they're more than that. But they're, because of fear, they're not publicly coming and prophesying their, like, you know, faith. But uh, need is great. You know, uh, we need to, as a believer, we need to have a mindset that, you know, we are all missionaries, wherever God has placed us, whether here or whether God is calling us, you know, across the world, you know, across America. You know, one of the scriptures I, I want to share this morning from Acts 1.8, you know, where Jesus is uh, saying, we will receive a Holy Spirit and be his witnesses in Jerusalem. Judea, Samaria, and ends of the earth. You know, um, our director from Global Partner, he uses the word, it's called here, near, far, and hard. You know, as a believer, as his children, as his church, I think God invites us, you know, as we are, you're doing series of family, you know, focusing on near to those who are, we are near, and like here and also far and hard places, God calls us to go and need is great. One, 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 uh, one story I want to share, um, um, there was several years, several years means about 15 years ago, me and Darla's team, uh, we went to a village. Um, back then we could do evangelism. We could village, we could go village and just sing a couple songs when they will see the white people. You know, people would come, 
literally running like, you know, just why the white people are here. And that's what we did. We will go villages and we could do that. <laughs> and it was great, you know, that attract people and share the gospel to those who never heard the name of Jesus. And uh, we were in a town called uh, Bijapur and one of those villages. And um, we shared the gospel that uh, evening. And people responded pretty good positively. And uh, one of them, the lady came to us and she said, hey, can you please pray for me? And I said, of course. We began to, as a team, gathered around, began to pray. And she began to manifest the evil spirit, and which is normal there, which is common. And when, where there's a God's presence, you know, the evil spirit can't stay. And she began to manifest and she said, stop praying for me. I was like, why? She said, she, she named one of the, the village gods. And when the people surrounding her heard this, they all came rushing to us. They said, please don't cast that her because this is our village god. And literally they didn't let us talk anything. And they literally carried her on their, her, their shoulder and took her to the temple and put her, began to worship her. And our heart just got broken. Second um, Corinthians chapter four, three uh, and four, it says, and you know, in verse that we see, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of these ages has blinded uh, and the minds of unbelievers, so that they cannot see the light of the gospel and display the glory of God. We see that enemy has all over the world, you know, has hardened or blinded their spiritual eyes to see what God has done and the finished work on the cross for humanity. So there's great need. There, there are uh, many who are in bondage to sin, and, and you've even told me with that how much they just invite those spirits. They're asking them to come and fill them. And so... Uh, we need to be praying for the work of the Lord there, for sure. Um, what, uh, can you talk to us a little bit about some victories that you've had? I know we shared once with the family um, that, got, that whole family got baptized from coming to Joshua's birthday party. Uh, what, what other things have you seen the Lord do through your ministry in India? <clears throat> there was a... Uh, uh, his name is Santosh. He was a uh, dad of one of our uh, believers. Uh, they lived about three hours far from our, our town. Every time they would come to uh, Badami, the town where we were, we would go visit them uh, to just extend them you know, love and share the gospel and invite them. And uh, we have shared gospel and he said, hey, I like you as a person, as a brother, but you know, please do not call me to your church. And he said, I heard that. I'm never going to say that. But we kept praying for him. After several years, me and Darla, we were at church, you know, worshiping. You know, we began worshiping. And we see him coming into our church. And Darla and me, we were just looking at each other's face. Our eyes were filled with God's faithfulness and answer to prayer. And he he. He sat and worshiped with us, and fi after the service, after the message, he all heard. And he said, 
Hey, you're talking about God who loves unconditionally, who died for my sins. If that's true, you know I have a problem. He fell like severely back and he had a hip issues. Like he couldn't walk. He always needed assistance. He has to use the cane. And he said like, is your God can really heal me? Without thinking me, I said yes. And I was thinking what just I said. And, and it's like we as a church gathered around him and we laid hand and we prayed, God, you know, you heal him the way he knows that you love him. When he came with Cain, he stood up, went without a cane that day. And it's glory to God. Because God, the God we serve, he's faithful. He's faithful. You know, do you remember the scripture the person said, like, if, if my faith is less, please help me. Help my daughter. Unbelief. You know, so forgive my lack of English knowledge. You said, know, but, help my unbelief, yeah. Yeah, he, he said, like, help me. That was our prayer. You know, God answered. He touched. You know, he comes from a Hindu background. He is a priest in his village. He's, he does a priest. He's, he's, he and his wife are elderly at the village. Now, they stopped everything, and they faced so many challenges because of that. Their daughter, granddaughter, she uh, completed BTH, Bachelor's in Theology. And uh, we are trying to get her here uh, to Sacramento for short-term mission trips. Hopefully, end of this year, she may be coming here. That's amazing. Amazing. Let's praise God for what He's doing yeah. through you guys. Thank you for being faithful. Um, how can those of us who are Christians here in America, how can we get more involved and make more of a difference, more of an impact in global missions? In, in Matthew 9, 33, uh, 37, it says, like, you know, Jesus is saying, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out the labors to the harvest. You know, we see there's a lot of harvests, but the labors are free. You know, so I think as a church, we need to intercede for, you know, to reach the community, to our nation. And not like, as I said, I earlier mentioned, here, near, far, hard places, wherever God is calling us, whatever God opening the opportunities in our church, within our churches, you know, I think willing to be obedient and stepping up. You know, one of, my, one of the scriptures that, like, uh, like uh, did the great impact in my life is like 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19. All this is from God, who through Christ, God reconciled us to himself, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in the Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Not counting their, their trespasses against them. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Not only he reconciled us. And also he entrusted us the reconciling work to continue through you and me. I think as a church, as an individual, as a family, we need to step up and intercede and give ourselves, give our resources, time, and everything we have, as you said, everything that we have is His. So we need to use for His glory. 
You know, I somewhat regret asking that question because you just stole my passage for next week. So, no, that's good, brother. That means the Holy Spirit's confirming things. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Um, I hope that all of us have been really challenged by our, our brother in Christ, Vivek and Darla, and, and the work that God is using them uh, for in India. And even here, uh, you know, they're, they're here for a time being, uh, helping with some family issues, and we're so thankful to have them here. So you're not only, you know, usually when there's like a missionary here or whatever, it's, hey, go out, and Vivek does have a table. He'll be out there. I'd love it if you guys would go talk to him, introduce yourself to him. Um, pray about if the Lord would lead you to support him and his mission, more of our global partners and any other missionaries that you might have relationship with or connection to. Um, because amen to what you pointed out from scripture that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And so pray that God would continue to bless Vivek and Darla and what they're doing. Um, and that would grow their ministry to, to raise more laborers, more and more laborers to go into the field as well as us and other ways that we can support. Uh, before we, we send Vivek back down today, I'd like for all of us to pray for him. So if you wouldn't mind, as just a sign of your faith, would you reach out a hand for, uh, towards Vivek and let's pray for their ministry today. God, we thank you so much for your faithfulness in Vivek and Darla's lives, we thank you, God, that you put it on their heart to be laborers in the field for the harvest. God, we thank you that you have used them already mightily to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, I ask by your Holy Spirit that you would continue to lead them, guide them, and empower them for the ministry, that they would continue to see wonderful things like what he's already told us about, that you would continue to bless their ministry, um, that you would bring more and more and more people into your kingdom through the gospel work that they are contributing God, we ask that you would continue to provide for them, meet all of their financial needs. I ask that you would continue to give them favor with the government, with all the challenging documents and paperwork and loopholes that they have to jump through in a state that is anti-Christ. God, I ask that you would give glory to yourself by the way that you continue to make doors open for them where they can reach more people for the gospel of Jesus Christ and bring people into the family of God with that ministry of reconciliation that Vivek was just sharing about. God, we ask you to bless them as well as all of our global partners, as well as all who are faithful to the mission of Jesus Christ around the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you guys give Vivek and Darla a hand clap this morning? Thank you, brother. And just before we go, I wanted to bring us to, to a couple of scriptures. Um, we've got about another hour that I'll be teaching, and I'm glad you knew that was a joke. I'm glad. But I wanted to bring us to one of the most important passages in all of scripture. This is one of those passages that we can hear and read in the, one ear out the other because how much we've heard it. And we really need to encourage ourselves, challenge ourselves to stop and evaluate what we're seeing here. That's Matthew chapter 28. This is right before Jesus ascends to the Father in heaven. We know this passage as the Great Commission. And so much lately we've been talking about the Great Commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. 
and love your neighbor as yourself. We talked a lot about that last week. Today, we're talking specifically, not the great commandment, but the great commission. This is what Jesus said. If there was something, if you had been with people that you love, people that were dear to your heart, and you knew that you were going away and you were not going to see them for the rest of their lives, you know that the last thing you want to say to them is pretty stinking important, right? You're not going to be like, hey, I love you and uh, Yankee Doodle Dandy. You're going to put meaning and thought into what you say. The last thing Jesus says to his disciples before he ascends into heaven is he gives them the great commission from Matthew 28. Let's look at verse 16. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And that some is referring to, this is a larger crowd than just the eleven disciples. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you even to the end of the age. See, every single one of us has been given this commission to be on God's mission. I say yes and amen to what Vivek just shared, that every single one of us, truly, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a missionary. And we tend to think Vivek and those guys over there, they're missionaries doing the Lord's work, and we can forget just how simple and practical they held a birthday party. And because they were intentionally missional with a birthday party, there's a family of five that will spend eternity with Christ because they were intentional with a birthday party. We can do the same thing. We can do the same thing, and we don't even have to worry about if we're going to get arrested or beat up or ostracized. All of us have this commission to be about God's mission as as disciple makers in our own context. One other quick passage I want to turn to is one that Vivek also read in the video that we didn't get to, to finish, but Romans chapter 10. You don't have to turn there for time's sake. Romans 10, verses 8 through 17, the Apostle Paul talking to the church in Rome, he says, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. He's talking about the message of the gospel. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture, say, or scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And here we go. Verse 14. How then will they call on him and whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him and whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, 
How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Paul is saying, how can they hear unless someone preaches? How can someone preach unless they're sent? And that's part of our responsibility as believers, especially in America, with more resources than probably any other country in the world. We have resources to be a part of this missional work. One, by taking advantage of the opportunities that God's given us in our own context. And then also to be a part of this sending work where we can find faithful ministers like Vivek and others to participate in sending, support financially, support through prayer, support through encouragement, whatever it might be, that we could look and go, how lovely, how beautiful are the feet of messengers of the gospel. It's estimated that there are 3.6 billion people in the world who have never heard the name of Jesus. 3.6 billion people. There was a new world record set yesterday. I'm not talking about the Tokyo Olympics. I'm sure there was a world record set yesterday there. What I'm talking about is significantly more profound on a global scale. Yesterday, a new world record was set for the number of people who went into eternity without hearing the name of Jesus. Yesterday, August 7th, was the highest number ever in history of people that went into eternity without Jesus. At midnight tonight, there will be a new day with a new record. Right now, global missions, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. As cultures continue to grow and expand and populations grow and laborers are few, it's the, the ability to reach is outgrowing the ability to keep up and reach. So every single day, a new record is set for how many people will enter into eternity without knowing Jesus. I know this is the pep rally service today, right? The day where we go, woohoo, exciting stuff. No, this is the day where we go, man, is there anything in our lives more important than being about the Great Commission? I'm preaching to myself. Is there anything in my life more important? There's not. We convince ourselves that these things, and and things matter and things are important, all these different things in our lives. But is there anything more important than this Matthew 28 commission from the Lord to go into all the world and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that He has commanded, recognizing as Vivek shared in his stories, that he's with us when we do this. And we don't do it on our own strength. We don't do it on our own authority. He said, all authority has been given to me, therefore, you go. And if we've been saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, we have that same authority and power with us to be about God's mission. Proclaim the gospel of reconciliation, saying, be reconciled to God There is love unconditional waiting for you. Will you commit to three things? I'm asking all of us to commit to these three things. One, will you pray for missionaries around the world? You've heard out of Vivek's context, the challenges that they face, government challenges and restrictions, 
laws, cultural pressures. There's other places where people are being beheaded today, probably, because of faith. So can we pray for missionaries around the world? Set a reminder, alarm on your phone, something, or or think about every time if you've got a watch that says, hey, it's time to stand up again. What if that was a reminder to stand up and pray? Can we remind ourselves to pray for missionaries around the world too? Can we pray for us as a church? Because this is something I deeply believe we need to be more about. This is something we need to prioritize more and emphasize more in our church. If we believe that we're about God's purposes, then it ought to be evident in our passion for reaching the lost. So please pray for our church that God would put this more in the hearts of all of our church family, give us wisdom, strategy, and network connections to connect with the right people in the right places that God wants us to connect to. And then third, challenge yourself to up your commitment to missions. Again, recognizing there's nothing in our lives more important than this. Then knowing him and then making him known. I want to encourage you today, if you will take those challenges seriously, and if you're willing to commit to those things, before you leave this church, I want you to find one other person, whether it's your spouse or a friend or a church family member or whomever it might be, to talk to and say, I'm going to commit to do those three things. Will you commit with me as well? And let's all encourage each other and hold one another accountable. Why? Because lives are on the line. The harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few.